Welcome to the Heartbreak Kids Podcast, where we explore what connects us all in our yoga practice and in our lives. This is where I talk to people about their stories, who they are, what they've been through, and where they're going. And in this podcast, that's what we explore. I believe deep down inside, we're all connected, which explains why we bring ourselves to the top of our mat every day. Welcome to the Heartbreak Kids. So welcome to the next edition of the Heartbreak Kids. I'm here with Christina Cooper, um, who is a student of mine. Um, I basically, you know, I guess I've taught you for about five years or so, roughly. Yeah. And um, I've got to witness a huge amount of transformation where there was sort of a resisting of the practice in the beginning to really like diving into the deep end. Um, she's mm-hmm. got some experience on trauma and addiction and how that kind of plays into the body. And so I'm, I'm really um, interested to hear your perspective. And I want to thank you for being on the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's get into the thick of it. Tell me who you were when, you know, I, I, tell me who you were before you showed up to yoga. Oh, man. Who was I before I showed up to yoga? Um Gosh, I haven't really thought about that in a while. Um, Probably just another lost soul, like really looking for a place to belong. Um, And uh, yeah, looking for something to, to make me feel anything, to make me feel my body, um, to make me feel like I was alive. Um, Yeah. Were you struggling at this point? Um, well, so the first time I came to yoga was, you know, 15 years ago and yeah, I, I would say I was, I was really, really struggling. That was the first time I, uh, came into recovery. Um, and so, yeah, I was in a lot of pain physically, emotionally, spiritually. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really, really struggling. And so, um, and you were in active addiction when you uh, first walked into yoga? Like that. No, you- I, wa- I wasn't. I was, um, <laughs> I was on house arrest at this time. And so I, uh, I was clean by court order. So, you know, white knuckling it <laughs> and going to school mm-hmm. and tr- just trying, just trying to not go to jail. Um, yeah. And yeah. It's a just- real thing. That's a real thing. I was terrified yeah. to be in jail. <laughs> um, yeah, you'd, and you'd be surprised at how court-ordered sobriety, I, I mean, sometimes helps a lot of people. It does. I mean, it really, it really was a huge wake-up call for me. And I knew, I knew that I wasn't living the life that I was meant to live or really wanted to live. But, you know, I needed something to kind of shake me out of it, I guess. So... Um, yeah, I was, I was struggling. I didn't really understand recovery. I didn't understand, um, anything about my pain. Um, I, I still at the time had therapists telling me that I was, you know, borderline or bipolar or whatever. And I'm like, this just doesn't feel right, but you know, I'm court yeah, ordered. Did they not so. know that you were using <laughs> I'll, I'll... or did they know that you were using? Okay. They did. No. Yeah. Because sometimes yeah, I yeah, feel like yeah, mental illness can show uh, the, up as like, I mean, it's actually addiction. 
but then therapists and, you know, some people like who are trained in those kind of things, like they, they, they don't put all of the connections together where a lot of times like substance use can, you know, make it feel like someone is bipolar or manic depressant or whatever it is. doesn't matter. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, um, the first real therapist I had, um, you know, I think she was one trying to give me a diagnosis and, and, uh, for the courts and, you know, my probation officer and, and two, I mean, I do have a lot of trauma in my history. So I think she, right. That seeing my behavior and listening to the stories that I was telling at the time, um, that was just kind of, well, this is what this looks like. And, and actually, you know, complex PTSD looks an awful lot like, um, you know, bipolar disorder or manic depression or, you know, really chaotic behavior. So, um, I think she just, that that wasn't a term that was really well used in that industry at the time. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're sober today. Yeah. I am. So tell me a little bit about the journey, you know, from being court ordered, you know, to find in yoga for the first time to all of a sudden, like, you know, where you're at today. Yeah, it was, um, it was not easy. (laughs) It's not for the faint hearted. Um, and so, yeah, I relapsed. Uh, it's part of some people's story. It doesn't have to be a part of everyone's story. It was a part of my story. Um, and so after my two year, my first two year, um, sobriety, I went back out and then, you know, kind of struggled with staying clean and, um, had like 90 days and then went back out in 30 days. And then, um, and then I just self-destructed for, you know, a good six months, um, until I just had this, like, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was just circumstantial or, uh, the person I was hanging out with, um, and, uh, the therapist that I did have at the time who was, who was really wonderful. Um, I just was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. And I went to rehab and, um, that was July 20th, 2009. And I haven't looked back since, um, it was, uh, it was really hard though. (laughs) You know, it's, uh, Definitely. What was so hard about it for the people, for the listeners and for the normal people that are, you know, hearing this for the first time, I mean, what makes it so difficult or what made it difficult in your story? Um, part of it was, um, getting honest with myself, like getting really, 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 really honest with myself and with my family and having to face, um, the disappointment, um, from, you know, my brother specifically, I remember talking to him on the phone when I was at rehab, um, and I could just hear the disappointment in his voice of, yep, you know, okay, what's different this time kind of thing. Like just kind of had had it, um, and expected that this time wasn't going to be any different than the last time. So I think, yeah, yeah, facing, facing family and friends and at the end of the day, facing myself and, and really asking myself, yeah, okay, what is going to be different this time? And having to sit in that discomfort, you know, and, and just be with it 
and, and work at it and wait, <laughs> just kind of wait until things eventually pr- I prove to myself that, okay, I, I am serious about this this time. Um, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause I feel like so many people are not serious about, well, I mean, they think they're serious at the time, Yeah. but when they realize the amount of work that they have, then all of a sudden, like, you know, the circumstances change. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's really hard to look at your, at your stuff <laughs> and own your, yeah. your character defects and own your part in a, you know, a falling out or things that you've done to people. And, and, uh, you know, it just, it's, it's really, really hard to look at that stuff and be like, yep, I did that. Uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> what was the hardest for you to look at? Um, you know, actually the fa- the family stuff. The family stuff has has been the the pinnacle of my struggle. Um, just because there is so much trauma with the family, so um, you know, looking at the stuff that I did and and the pain and suffering that I put them through. And then also, I mean, I still had at the time in 2009, I still hadn't admitted to myself many of the things that had occurred in my family. And so I still had years of work ahead of me to kind of get honest about that stuff and then figure out what that meant for the relationship that I do have with my family. So it's that the family piece has been the most the most difficult externally. And then, of course, just dealing with myself day in, day out. What, um, what substance were you using? If you don't mind me asking. No, I don't mind. Um, anything. (laughs) I was a, I was an anything girl, but mostly, um, booze and speed. So I was on meth for a long time, but, um, I did cocaine and, and, and drank a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I never did I never did the speed. I already am speedy enough. I don't need any. <laughs> and see, that was I I am also, but for some reason it just it like brought everything into focus for me, and it made my mind not feel crazy because my mind has always yeah. been just you know bec- I think as a survival tactic I learned how to you know, dissociate and, and distract myself with mental gymnastics. And so for some reason, the, the speed really helped me like bring it into focus. Yeah. I, I tried the other stuff, but it, it always made me violently ill. So I was, I guess, grateful for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's one thing to look, sure. look at and see. Uh, and so let's talk a little bit about you walking into that first yoga class. Wasn't it, was it an Ashtanga class? Um, it wasn't actually, it was, um, it was Nikki Myers's class at IUPUI when I was a student there. And I, I saw it on the, uh, you know, the curriculum and I had to take some extra curricular activities and, and, uh, for, for my, um, undergrad. And, and I was like, you know, I've heard of this yoga, but I don't really know much about it. And, um, yeah, so that's when I, I met her. That was in 2005, 2006, that was 2006. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so, for those of you who don't know who are on the podcast, like, you know, she's responsible for another recovery type of yoga, which is, it's called YSR 12. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 And so it's really cool. She's had a pretty big impact on, you know, teaching people like, I mean, it's a specific style in itself. Yeah. Um, but she's had a big impact, especially in Indianapolis. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I just, I knew when I met her, there was something about her, um, and, uh, just kept, yeah, continued and then went to the city yoga that used to be over by IUPUI then, and then did the, did the Y, YSR 12, um, like a class and workshop and fell in love. But I actually did find Ashtanga within the first few years. Um, I, uh, uh, walked into a Carol Carol's class. And, um, at the time I, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, it was just so, so different. And I just mentally was not, I mean, although I went to a few classes and there was another, um, teacher, Patrick, I don't remember his last name. He used to teach at city yoga and I went to a couple of his classes, but I just mentally could not, couldn't wrap my head around it yet. So because it was too hard or, um, I, I, no, I think the, I didn't just, I just didn't understand what was required of me. So when she started talking about like the memorization aspect of it, like I knew that I wanted that, but I just don't think I was ready to, to tackle that. I don't know how else yeah. to explain it. Like, I just, I just don't think I was, I just wasn't ready. <laughs> yeah. I hear that. I mean, I feel like a lot of people stumble into their Ashtanga class and then all of a sudden they're like, wait a second, let me go try some other stuff before yeah. I curious about it or I dive that much more deeper into it uh, because it, uh, there's a lot required. It, so, yeah, there is. Like sobriety, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Lots required. I, and, and holding yourself accountable and, um, there's, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll never forget the first Ashtanga, like real, well, I guess that was real Ashtanga, but, uh, walking into my first where I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. I found it. I just remember that first year being like, this is, this is so much like recovery. I feel like these things go hand in hand. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, and so how your first class with, was with Carol, you know, like you, you stumbled into her class at City Yoga or wherever it was. Um, and then all of a sudden, like you kind of run away with, run away from it, but how did you come back to it? Like what made it seem like a good idea to go back, especially when it was sort of like a whoa moment? Yeah, I actually, uh, stumbled into it by accident. <laughs> Um, I went to a, cause at the time I was still, um, racing, I was still doing triathlon. That was, that was my gig. And so I was, uh, preparing for a race. Um, and I, the weather was really strange. So I was using hot yoga to do heat acclimation. And so I went to city yoga, um, for that, for the early morning, 6am, a hot yoga class and the teacher was sick that day. And at the time, Amanda 
uh, was teaching and Ariel were there and, uh, and they were like, well, yeah, sorry, she's sick, but you can, you can come in here and try this. And I said, sure, why not? I'm here. I got up, you know, I might as well check this out. And, um, she took me through, you know, basically just, just the standing sequence through, I think just through trikonasana. And I was like, Oh my God, can I do that again? (laughs) There was just, I had had enough, I think experience with disciplining myself that I was just ready. I was ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. And so you went back the next day or like what kind of commitment level did you have? I did. Uh, I went back the next day. Um, uh, I, I think I did like five days a week at, at first, and that would have been September 2015, or was that August? I think it was August. And then she did um, that 30-day challenge, and I was like, sign me up. <laughs> So I, I was in, I was all in at the beginning, um, from, from the get go. And it, it, it pretty soon took over my life. Yeah. Uh, and how, how so? Uh, you know, like showing up or giving you the awareness of like that you wanted to change some things or, or what was it? At first it was more about the physical, uh, I think require, like, I just, I love, I love, you know, the physical aspect of athletics. And, uh, so it, it, it pretty much took up my time. I didn't really have time or energy anymore to do the, the long distance training that I was, that I was doing. Um, so I tried to maintain, you know, race training for the next year and a half. And I just, my ego, like I really struggled with letting it go because my ego wanted to, to remain attached to um, probably that, you know, that acknowledgement that comes when you're doing these crazy, insane races um, yeah. that people are just like, oh, my God, it's so amazing. And so, so, yeah, it was totally an ego battle. And then finally, I just I just let it go. Um and decided I would do that stuff as I enjoyed it and really focused on, on the yoga practice. Cause that's, I just could, my spirit, everything about my mind, body, spirit, um, craved that, that yoga practice. Wow. Yeah. And so when was the first time that I met you? Uh, that would have been like February of, uh, 2016. Yeah, it was, or or did you come to Indy before? I think that was when you came to Indy. I think I actually came to Columbus first and then you came to Indy and then, and then Montana. Yeah. That year, that first year, Montana. Yeah. And I remember like at first you, I don't know, I guess you sort of resisted. Oh yeah. Me teaching (laughs) you. What was that about? (laughs) Um, Taking instruction, um, you know, probably partly taking instruction from a man um, and being pushed beyond, like, I think I was learning 
still figuring out my, well, we're all still figuring out ourselves, uh, but still figuring out my limits and, and my boundaries because I'm not good with physical historically, I have not been good with physical limits um, and setting boundaries. I, I will always push myself past the point of necessity. Um, sure. I've got, I've gotten much, much better at doing that. Um, so yeah, I think it, because it was, there was just so much being cracked open emotionally. Um, I was having a hard time adjusting to taking instruction. I think that's, you know, a big part of recovery is a lot of us live our lives self will run riot. And then somebody comes in and tells you what to do. And you're like, I'm not fucking doing that. <laughs> like, well, well, <laughs> you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I remember just like you being, I mean, I was pushing you, but then, because I, I mean, I saw potential, you yeah. know, like I saw, I saw someone who was searching for, a deeper meaning yeah. and so much time was spent in your head instead of actually like, oh, yeah. you know, doing, I, I don't want to say doing the work, but maybe that's the best words I can come up with right now. Yeah. But in, instead of like thinking it through, it was like, it really just needed to be done. And, yeah. and sort of like this belief system that somehow you weren't good or something like that. And it's like, and, and I, I feel like I saw right through it. I saw you from a, a very <laughs> first couple of times that I saw you. I was like, I know exactly who this person is because she's just like how I am. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's that you nailed it. That's probably exactly why I resisted because of that, that mirror, that reflection of, you know, you're facing yourself. And I, I, knew that you saw this potential and yeah, I, I was stuck in my head and stuck in the fear of, of the unknown and, and had a hard time really pressing past accepting, you know, that I, I can do this and that, you know, I'm safe. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's a really good observation. So yeah, I probably just was like, no, <laughs> Yeah, well, and also just like the work that I feel like you continue to do. I mean, I'm I'm super proud of you because oh, I mean, I think that there's I think there's easy times where you can just be like, you know, fuck this stuff. I don't yeah. want to do this anymore. And yeah. so many times I like kind of saw that on your face as I was given instruction, or maybe you were telling that to me. <laughs> Probably um, a bit of both. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you've done, you know, like you're a completely different person from when I met you in 2015, 16, whenever it was. Yeah. And that's, that's amazing. I mean, that's on you. That's not yeah. on me. That's not on other teachers. That's on you. That means that you've been doing the work and that's freaking awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I have been. And, yeah. and, and you, you nailed like learning how to get out of your head and just do or be or move. That was my, that was part of my hangup. I just would get stuck in the, but is it, is it right? Does I feel, does it feel right? Am I doing it right? Maybe I need to see it from a different angle. And rather than just trusting the process. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, during this time, you know, I've also noticed that, you know, you've been doing massage therapy and, mm -hmm. you know, like 
we spoke briefly about, you know, trauma and stuff like that. And, and how do you feel like your, how do you feel like your yoga plus like all of the work that you're doing um, with massage therapy? And then how do you feel like that informs you to like deal with your trauma? Oh man. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it, I think because I've had, I've had enough time now and experience with, with clients and, you know, we're continuing to work on myself that I, I have recognized patterns and recognized just how intimately integrated, you know, our bodies are with our emotions and our spirits. And, um, so it's really helped me hone in on my intuitive skills. It's helped me learn how to get out of my head because when I'm in a session with a client, I have to, I'm essentially meditating the whole time because my entire focus, my systems are kind of plugged into this client. Um, and so it's helped me with awareness and focus and um, sensitivity. So it's, yeah, it's really helped me learn a lot about myself and how I respond and, and just how traumatized everybody is, like how, how much grief everybody is, is truly dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how do you, I mean, how do you feel that in the body with your own practice or how do you feel that in another person's body as you kind of tune into them? And what is it? And also second part of the question, and what does it feel like? Yeah, that's what everybody wants to know. (laughs) What does it feel like? Yeah. I mean, does it feel like that in in the muscles? Does it feel like there's just this intuitive sense or? Yeah, it's a mixture of both. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a mixture of both. And, um, so, you know, when a, when a client comes to me and I mean, I think you can, you're pretty good at this as well. When they start talking, like your system is, is taking downloading input from their body language, from their tone, um, from what they're saying and what they're not saying. Um, and then as soon as they get on a table, like I can almost tell immediately if somebody is, is had, um, trauma in their system because generally the the upper body the chest the upper back especially the shoulders everything is so tight like yes physically muscularly um the the tissue will feel really really tight and as if there's like no flow there's no oxygen or blood really flowing through this tissue um so it's so it's a bit of both it's a bit of sensing intuitively and, um, how the person tissue feels. And then, you know, when you touch, like, how do they respond? I can kind of tell the subtleness if, if they pull away or if their breath changes. Um, and then as soon as, as soon as I enter into their field, um, I start downloading, um, this may sound weird, but I'm just going to say it. I I start getting these, (laughs) I don't care. These little like images almost. It's almost like I'm getting 
downloads either from their memory or I'm getting downloads from um, things that maybe just need to be brought to their attention. So that's essentially, and I, I sent, I like ask like myself, does this person need to know? And if it's yes, then I'll just say, Hey, this is coming up, you know, there you go. Do with it what you will. Cause it's not my responsibility to then try to fix, manage and control that aspect. I'm just bringing it to their attention. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's both physically and, uh, intuitively. Definitely. Yeah. And how, as like an, as an addict, as a massage therapist, like, I mean, I feel like it, it has to be some sort of trouble to get out of your own way. Oh yeah. That you someone. Definitely. Yeah. The first year, um, that I started doing this work, I was a mess. I was, I was sick a lot. Um, I was emotionally just exhausted all the time. I was in a lot of physical pain. Um, and I was convinced that I was in the wrong field and, uh, I just stuck with it. And because I was learning, I was also learning a lot about myself and I'm, you know, that's, I'm always very curious about myself and learning more about myself. So I stuck with it. And uh, so, yeah, it's taken a lot of, of, of practice to figure out how to get out of my way and how to discern between, you know, is this my emotion? Is this my pain or is this the clients or somebody else's and, or am I projecting or am I mirroring? So it's, it's taken a lot of practice to be able to discern between, between those things. And yeah. Yeah. I feel like as a MISOR teacher, you know, what I'm constantly doing is the exact same thing. I'm like, absolutely am I projecting this onto them <laughs> yeah. or are they projecting it onto me or is this real or is this not real? Yeah. And so like kind of like going through the fog a, a bit when you're like really trying to tune in and you know some days I'm great at it and other right. days like I can't get out of my way to save, you know, like to save myself. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. That's yeah. normal. And and <laughs> oh yeah, totally. And yeah. when you know, you are tuned into the students, you're paying attention to that body language. And if you don't have boundaries, yes, one of the most dangerous things is like, you know, someone like myself or, or you that doesn't have boundaries, then all of a sudden, like uh, it, like everything gets convoluted. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, as a, uh, as a body therapist and, and as a teacher, I mean, we have to deal with, um, if we're having one of those days where we're not quite in ourself, you know, if somebody comes in that is, is, is not clear on their boundaries and they're still in the thick of their trauma and pain and suffering, then, then they can project it and it can become, you know, they can try to push the boundaries and it can come off as manipulative. And, you know, I've, I've had to, I've had to leave a couple sessions before um, because, I was like, you know, not having a good day. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure this person is, you know, being very inappropriate and just, you know, but like the mental working through that of like, you know, also our culture teaches us to doubt ourselves. 
but that's, a, you know, maybe another discussion, but, yeah. uh, right, right. but it, yeah, it can be really, uh, really painful and frustrating and you can get mad at yourself cause you're like, man, I feel like I've, you know, I should be able to work through this and it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. What's, what do you, what do you think is like maybe the biggest thing that you've experienced or learned through this process of, of really diving into the deep end of massage therapy and working with people who have trauma? The biggest thing, only one. <laughs> well, I mean, you can give a couple. It's not like <laughs> we yeah. got time. <laughs> okay. Like, where do I start? <laughs> um, you know, so the first thing that's coming to mind is um, one thing I realized um, within the last few years was that, cause I, I mean, I, I don't know how aware you are of like the massage therapy industry. Like if you um, like, m I think most industry standard clients that come in, they think they want deep tissue massage. Um, they think they want to feel you pressing as hard as you possibly can, as deep as you possibly can until it hurts. And, you know, for a while in the beginning, and I would do that because I thought that my job was to make the client happy. Does that make sense? Like, like to make sure. them like to do what they wanted. And then through, through practicing it and then my continuing education um, especially with the body talk therapy, I started feeling like this just doesn't, this isn't helpful. It's not helping me because it's physically uncomfortable and draining. And I don't really think it's helping the client. And so what I learned was that I was actually projecting part of myself onto the client. Like I was trying to feel that I was making a difference in their, in their physical, you know, healing journey by giving them what I thought they wanted and, and in the process losing myself and not staying true to my intuition, which was telling me this person just needs a damn hug, you know, or just something like something like that. Like they need a much more gentler approach because, you know, this person has trauma and they think they need to feel more pain but um, they actually need a much more gentler um, approach. So that was a really huge realization for me to, um, you know, stop pleasing the person and doing for them what they thought they wanted and rather instead following my intuition um, and giving them a much more gentle um, approach and then also accepting that maybe they just don't like me and, and that's okay. <laughs> and I can send them to another therapist that they might more match up with, but it, you know, it all, all boys boils down to that, like wanting people to like me. So I had to really work through that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a huge one. I, yeah. you know, I think about the comparison between what you just said and the yoga teaching, Yeah, you know, like that happens in the Mysore room. It's like, you know, they're like, oh, Taylor, it's my turn to get an adjustment. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, right. right. 
<laughs> Sorry, it's not like a bell goes off and it's your turn to get an adjustment. It's like we give adjustments when you actually need them or when we feel like we can work through stuff. And and really over the period of, I mean, I guess since I've known you, I've gotten sharper and sharper with that, like helping yeah. people where they really need help and also like helping when I want to help and listening to my gut instead of when their bell goes off like, hey, I need this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and sometimes that's valid when they, you know, when they're asking for it, but other times it's not, it's just that they want to be touched. They want to attention. Yeah. 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 So I, I mean, oh, what a huge comparison to the teaching, you know, that I do on a consistent basis. It's, it's like essentially the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so how has all of this, you know, from body talk to massage therapy to all of these different things like played a part in your yoga practice? Like how, how has that come in? Yeah. So, um, I like in understanding the, um, like the human energy system, the spirit, the chakras, um, and, and yoga, and especially with the body talk stuff, it's, it's helped me to understand, um, I guess in reference to, you know, the practice, like how to work with myself, how, when do I need to push myself and when do I need to back off and rest? Um, it's really helped me to listen to my body and, and listen to, what I actually need. And, and sometimes that's not repetition every single day, the same exact thing. Like for me, um, under, because that, that's, you know, I, I, I can easily get stuck in those modes. So personally for me, it's, it's become, um, understanding and, and listening to my body and, and maybe I, I need to, to modify today and maybe I need to, um, you know, my back is hurting. So is doing this pose actually going to, you know, be good for my body? <laughs> um, and uh, I'm so grateful for having that amount of, you know, and I think that comes too with some years of, of, of practicing yoga and, uh, and really, yeah, understanding your body and its, and its needs. Yeah. And so for the people that are listening how would they proceed into kind of getting into listening more and paying attention like what you just described in their own personal practice? Like what are some things that you think that would be helpful for them? Yeah. So I, something you said actually earlier that I think is, is huge is if it's, if it's in your head, then reassess. <laughs> like if you're, if you're thinking about it, if you have to think about, should I do this? Or, you know, if you, if you're overthinking something, then that to me is a signal that I am not in my body, that I am in my ego. I'm in my, my, my head overthinking something and, um, so I usually now I'll just take, I'll take a minute and I'll sit and breathe, come back to the breath, reconnect with, you know, um, my belly that that's usually for me, what, what helps me to connect more to my body is focusing the breath into the belly. 
um, and getting, getting out of the head and, and waiting and listening, listening to the body as opposed to trying to just force myself through something because the, the, the body will tell you what it needs, what you don't need your head <laughs> to, to, to tell you, you know, walk you through anything. The body will tell you if you ask your body, like, you know, is this something I should do? Like, wait, like wait for the answer. And, you know, try to separate your ego driven uh, mind from the what is actually good for for my body. Hopefully that helps. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So it's been a huge journey for you, like I mentioned early. But like, what keeps you coming back to doing this self inquiry and like, diving deeper, like we've talked about and and uh, processing the things that need to be processed. Like, why do you keep coming back to it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the easy answer is I, I'm just so curious. Like I, I just have naturally a very curious um, drive and, and I, I, I guess just somewhere along the way, you know, discovering the who of me and the why of me just became like top priority. And so, um, even in the, even in the, the really tough moments that are painful and uncomfortable and, um, impossible. I mean, sometimes you learn the most about yourself through those uh, moments. And I, I just, I love, I love the things that I uncover and I love, um, I just healing, the healing process. Like, I mean, I mean, how, how cool, you know, not that I'm saying that this is like, you know, you need to have a goal to attain or anything that it can, it's just an ongoing journey and an ongoing process. Um, but how awesome that you, you get to like explore who you are and learn and grow and, and heal and then, you know, see it everywhere and see the synchronicities and, um, you know, find out who you are and, and where you belong. It's just, how can you not love that? (laughs) Yeah. 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 yeah, That's really good insight. And why do you think Ashtanga is like specifically worked for you? you know, especially since you resisted it in the beginning, like, why, why do you think you've stuck with that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I love structure. I mean, I do and I don't, right? Like I, I love it. And I also want the freedom to like flail around in it. (laughs) And, and I think it, it took me a while to accept that that's, that that's okay. Like having, having both the, the toughness and the softness simultaneously for me has been, you know, transcending that duality. That's been my, um, my goal, I guess, is, is understanding and realizing that, that both aspects exist at the same, at the same time, the dark and the light, the yes and the no, you know, that's that type of thing. And so it, it's, um, I mean, I'm not going to lie, like I'm struggling a little bit right now with it because of, of quarantine and COVID and not having a place to practice other than, 
my home and by myself, but it's also opening up a different aspect of practice of that self-study and, and figuring out, well, what do, what can I do today? Okay. I do standing and I do backbends and I'm done and that's okay. Um, so this, you know, this time has really allowed me to be more gentle with myself. Um, so it's just, it's just an ongoing process, a lifelong process of self-discovery, I think, and having that, that focus and that meditation and, um, movement is, is really crucial for me for, for healing. I know that if something gets stuck in my body, then moving my body generally will help it get unstuck. Well, this was an amazing conversation. Um, you, you definitely articulated a bunch of great, great points. And awesome. I, yeah. I mean, it, it was really good. I mean, I feel like I learned something today um, as well. So I want to thank you for being on the show and sharing a little bit of your story and your, your the work that you're doing and, and keep going. Keep Absolutely. Going. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I mean, I, I feel like we just like scratched the surface of, <laughs> you know, trauma. We had a lot. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's a, and maybe there's an opportunity for us to have another conversation as well. Sure. Sure. Yeah. This was great. I really enjoyed this. Yeah. So thanks for being on the show. Like, yeah. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. If you want more information about Ashtanga Yoga, visit ashtangayogacolumbus.com. You can also check out my website, which is taylorhuntyoga.com. See you guys next time.